Hi, this is Alexandria Jones again, and this is another podcast for class, the third podcast I've done for class, and also my Frankenstein podcast, so that's pretty fun. It's on the last section of the book, so chapters 20 to 25, I believe, and the epilogue part, so yeah, basically all of that. So the first question I'm answering is, what is your final judgment of Victor and why? Refer to specific parts of this last section that allowed you to come to this judgment. And so for this question, my judgment of Victor is that, first of all, it seems like he has a lot of mental illnesses at this point. Second of all, it feels a lot like he became what he despised, like... He goes from this confident scientist man to, you know, a paranoid monster hunting guy with really bad judgment. (laughs) Like, to put it lightly. One thing that really characterizes Victor is that he's still refusing to tell anyone about his monster. At this point, So, the monsters killed, like, two separate people in one case, a third person, the monster kills his wife, this monster's killing a lot of people, and he's, he's just still hasn't told anyone, which is really poor judgment, like, this might just be my opinion, but I feel like at that point, you really do have to get help, because if you do get those witness accounts and stuff, then he could have prevented a lot of the events that happened and a lot of innocent people dying. Especially his fiancée and later wife. I mean, that's kind of something you should tell your spouse, you know, that you created a sentient monster. I mean, I guess I can't blame him, because telling people stuff is really hard, especially stuff related to things you're not super proud of. Like, I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. We all have our secrets, after all, and some you just will be super embarrassed to share or something. But in this case, if you're endangering people, it's a really big case of poor judgment, because obviously you should probably be more concerned about, you know, people dying than your reputation. Or save your reputation by stopping people from dying or something, like... This guy's been accused of, like, three murders at this point. So, yeah, Frankenstein, he has a lot of really horrible judgment, which really characterizes him. Apart from poor judgment and paranoia, Frankenstein also is characterized a lot by refusing to connect with others and isolating himself. This is another thing I guess I can't really blame him for, because... We already saw how he isolated himself in the first half of the novel, and now that we're here, we can tell that Frankenstein's continuing to isolate himself because now he's scared of this monster he's created and what it might do. I mean, literally right after he married Elizabeth, his monster killed her, so I guess kinda that paranoia and refusal to connect with people is warranted, but That passage also kind of points out another negative character trait of Victor's, 
he has a lot of negative character traits come out in the last bit of the book. <laughs> like, if his personality and stuff weren't already this train wreck of isolation and social awkwardness, this just takes the cake at this point. Having a terrible secret you can only tell someone after you marry them? Hmm, if someone said that to me, I'd see it as a major red flag. He's just... That's not something you should do, which kind of makes me have a negative view of Frankenstein, even after being in his head. He's very, very morally questionable. If this were D&D, he would be chaotic neutral. This isn't D&D, obviously, but in Dungeons & Dragons, he'd be that one character who doesn't seem to go to anyone's side, but keeps making absolutely horrible life decisions. The only thing is, in Dungeons & Dragons, you have a good chance of actually succeeding with those horrible life decisions. In this novel, Frankenstein does not have a good chance. He has horrible chances. This dude just keeps messing up. I've gone on for like five minutes about Frankenstein at this point. That's probably not good considering this is going to be a 10 minute podcast. So I guess at this point we should move on to question two. What's your final judgment of the creature? Refer to specific parts of the last section that allowed you to come to this judgment. So next we get to talk about the monster. The monster is definitely also very morally questionable, but more in the way of, like, the best comparison I have would be to a serial killer, where a lot of them have some mental issues sparked by poor childhoods, cases of abuse, all that sorts of stuff. Obviously, that doesn't excuse anything, and it doesn't in Frankenstein's monster's case either. So that actually is a good comparison. It's like serial killers. You're probably some messed up human beings, but they probably have a messed up past too that at least explain why things are going in this direction. Let's get into the monster's threat, which is a really characterizing moment. So, Frankenstein's monster says that he'll be with Victor on his wedding night, which Victor believes means that Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein, whatever, will kill him on his wedding night. Nah. Monster kills Elizabeth. We already got into this and how Frankenstein made horrible life decisions. Just don't follow Frankenstein's example. It's a good thing to take away from this book. But, so, this monster keeps killing innocent people. Like, at this point, I have no sympathy for it. Him. The monster. There's just... My final judgment on the monster, the monster could have made good decisions. Obviously the monster was in a horrible situation, but killing a lot of people is not a good solution. I mean, he clearly knows how to act. He clearly knows what's acceptable. He's just like getting revenge on his creator. Like, bro, can't you do that without murdering like 10 people in the span of 500-ish pages? Is it even 500 pages? Gets in a murder like every other chapter at this point, which... Yeah, the monster and 
Frankenstein. They're both very morally questionable characters. And my final judgment on both of them is that I'm not really sure if I like their characters. They certainly have some identifiable parts where I can relate to them, but they're just really, really questionable where I wouldn't want to be friends with them or anything. That just seems to lead to a lot of destruction. Anyways, now that we've gone over those characters and their very dysfunctional relationship, I'm going to discuss a quote. So, this quote is, Never will I give up my search until he or I perish, and then with what ecstasy shall I join my Elizabeth and my departed friends? You know, this quote doesn't hit that hard until you realize that Frankenstein's monster killed all those departed friends. Yeah, we don't need to get into how toxic that relationship is anymore. Let's just go from there. Figuratively, what does the quote suggest or reveal? So, there's a lot of fun stuff about this, so... Ecstasy. That's a very strong word for being really happy. He's, like, really happy that he'll die after he gets revenge. Which relates back to scenes of mental illness and stuff. So, that's cheery. It reveals a lot about his character, because it's just like, Oh, can't wait till I die. Then I can join everyone in the afterlife. Yay! And he's, like, really determined, like, never will I give up my search until he or I perish. That's some pretty strong language. Which probably reveals a lot about his character. I'm just not smart enough to comprehend it, I guess. But, yeah, like, I can tell that that definitely tells a lot. That's a lot about him. And relating back to how Frankenstein's monster killed all of those friends, like, that kind of makes a hit difference, like, literally he's getting revenge for all the people his monster killed, so that's fun. There's not really many applications that this quote's asking us to carry on before, after our own reading, so that's really not applicable here. Last but not least, I have to create my own question to answer it, so the question I'll be covering is, what themes of mental illness are... No, I don't want to do that again. Last but not least, I'll be briefly answering the question. What does isolation mean throughout this novel? Because I feel like isolation is a really big theme of it. And I say briefly because this has run 10 minutes and 42 seconds so far. And this was supposed to be a 10-minute podcast, so I don't want to make this too long. <laughs> So anyways, isolation is really shown throughout this novel. First, Victor isolates himself in his studies, then because he's created a monster, and then because this monster is threatening all the people he loves. And then it's shown again through the monster's narrative, because the monster is isolated from society as a different being than the rest of it, and because there's no one like him in the world, so... Both of them exhibit a lot of different themes of isolation and loneliness that a lot of people can probably relate to at some point or another in their lives, so 
That's definitely a major theme that's covered in this novel. 